know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation, episode 135. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, your host. And so today we're talking about the 11th journey. And if you remember, you can listen to previous episodes about the survivor's journey. But uh, journey number one was about hope and belief, the belief that my life can change. The second journey is all about courage, understanding that we have been traumatized and that trauma rarely leaves without focused attention. And so developing your bomb squad, those are your former formal support systems that help you um, recover from trauma. One member of your bomb squad is certainly your trauma treatment therapist. Another one might be your AA or NA sponsor. Another one might be your case manager or your trauma-focused yoga instructor or your peer advocate. And then the third journey is all about self-discovery. So understanding your particular trauma and the triggers and then how to get out in front of those so that you lower the triggers and the symptoms associated with your trauma. The fourth journey is all about seeking and finding internal safety because a house divided cannot stand. So we have to love and support ourselves on the inside, you know, understand our core beliefs and that those should be positive. Our self-talk should be positive. And then the fifth journey is all about seeking and obtaining external safety you know, uh, instituting boundaries in our lives, making sure that the place that we sleep and eat and the people that we love are safe and loving in return to us. The sixth journey is all about self-examination, going back into our lives and understanding how we got to where we are today, even though, you know, what happened in our past does not dictate who we can become or what we can do in our future. The seventh journey is all about trust and mistrust and how to trust trustworthy others, and then how to learn to be trustworthy as well. The eighth journey is all about relationships, intimate relationships, friendships, and how to have healthy relationships. The ninth journey is all about commitments, those beliefs, obligations, loyalties that we keep that are unspoken and don't benefit us, and how to make choices around the loyalties, the beliefs, the obligations that we choose to honor because those do support and benefit us. The 10th journey is all about self-forgiveness. We we attack that blame and that guilt and that, that shame that we have about our past experiences. Now, the 11th journey is all about unburdening the energy of hatred. The 11th journey is the thriver believes that there are more than their negative experiences, and they release their burdens. So let me tell you, Dr. Phil said you have 0% accountability for what happened to you then during your victimization, and you have 100% responsibility for what you'll do 
moving forward. So by the time you get to the 11th journey, you've reached a point in your recovery when it is now time to deeply and more profoundly understand that you are more than what happened to you in your life. In fact, the more you consider your victimization, the more you give power to it. What happened to you helped shape who you are today, but it's not the totality of you, not even close. You are unique. In all the universe, there is but one you. And all of your experiences from birth until now make up the totality of you. Those include your your physical characteristics, your genetics, your personality, your habits, your perspectives, your intellect, your attitude about things, how relationships have shaped you, your childhood experiences, adult experiences, adolescent experiences, what you've seen over the course of your lifetime, the fun you've had, your talents, your creativity in certain areas of life, your passion, your goals, your unique style of humor, the way you communicate, your taste in food, furniture, intimate partners and friends, and even the way your eye twinkles, your smile, the way you wear your hair, and a million other assets that all put together make up you. You're even much more than your past experiences because your past doesn't have to dictate your future. Your future is yet to be written by you, and it could contain whatever you'd like it to contain. Your abuse, your victimization was an experience, but it's not the total sum of you. So think about it. If you have a victim identity, then you'll have that identity in all of your roles. Then everybody looks like a perpetrator. How you work a job, how you have a relationship, how you parent effectively. All looks like a perpetrator if you assume the identity of a victim. Similarly, if you're a survivor, then you're someone who only gets away with AKA surviving life. So there were approximately 100 million sperm that had a shot at eventually becoming a human being. And part of you swam faster and harder than any of the others. You were strong enough even before you were born. And you made it to where you are today because you're smart, because you're blessed, because you're favored. You're stronger and wiser today than you were yesterday. That's what happens when somebody has been through hell and back. Others see the growth and the wisdom in you, and they wonder how you did it. You have grown to become spectacular. But why did you have to go through what you went through? For what purpose? The answer to that question lies with you and your maker and the universe of your soul. Perhaps you could be a walking testimony that good really does conquer evil. Even though you hated what you went through, the strength and the wisdom you have, you'll use that. It will serve you well in your future when you help other people. But where does wisdom come from? I talked about this before. It comes from going through something and coming out stronger the other side. Wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age, remember. 
What's the evidence that it doesn't come with age? There are thousands of unwise, dare to say, ignorant older people right now walking around the earth, continuing to make dumb decisions. And in turn, there are some very wise young people. So wisdom comes with facing your problems and processing through them. People who never get an opportunity to learn how to become wise are people that are never facing their problems and making difficult decisions. Instead of dealing with their problems and their adversities, they they figure out ways to go around their problems or to go under them or go over them so they don't have to face them and they don't have to deal with them. And maybe you've done this partly in your past too, but in doing this work, you made the decision to go straight through the eye of the storm and you came out the other side. You carry with you the battle scars of successful battles won. And you also should carry this though as a badge of honor for becoming wiser and having successfully come through it. You didn't come through it unscathed, but today you are indeed wiser and you're stronger. Look, when someone hurts you deep inside, I'm talking about a hurt that touches your very soul. You have two choices. You can work through the pain and get to the point where you practice unburdening yourself of the strong emotions attached to it. Or you can let the pain eat at you until it destroys vital parts of your being. When someone hurts you deeply, they take your power. They control you. They have the power to control your emotions. Whether they keep the power and control it is up to you. How do you know that your victimizer still has power and control over you? Take a moment and think about it. Do certain emotions crop up that can take over and ruin your entire day, like anger or fear or shame? As you go about the community, do you have the need to avoid certain people or places? Is there a time during the day that a memory can pop up to ruin your day? When you have a memory of feeling or a person that has the power to ruin your good day, then you're no longer in control. When something or someone has a level of power over you, that's entirely too much power to have given away. And yes, I mean given, because no one should have the power to make you feel anything you don't choose to feel. The 11th journey is about taking the totality of you back and acknowledging every part of you. It's about letting go of the pain that has been present in your life. So there are five stages of grief, as outlined by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Those are denial, then anger then bargaining, depression, then finally acceptance. And no doubt you've experienced each one, except perhaps acceptance. Acceptance is not accepting that the abuse or the violence or the exploitation was okay. Acceptance is an acknowledgement that it happened. Acceptance means you process through it and you put it in your past. It's no longer front and center controlling your world. Acceptance is akin to unburdening and untethering. Unburdening and untethering is a choice and a consistent practice. The more you do it, the less you'll have to do it over time. 
Unburdening means to lift the heavy emotional weight that's on your shoulders and throwing it to the ground because it no longer is a burden that you need to carry. It's an energy that you let go of, and that energy is hatred. Hatred will destroy you before it destroys your perpetrator. Untethering is to untie the ropes or the chains that tether you to something or someone or a set of thoughts and feelings. Unburdening and untethering is the practice of letting go of the power, the abuse, or the exploitation had over you. Some people try various techniques to do this. Some do this by forgiving their abuser or their exploiter, not because that person deserves to be forgiven. In fact, most who forgive their abusers never even tell them. Some thrivers have had to forgive others that knew what was happening, but did not provide the protection that they should have provided. So why are you forgiving your perpetrator or forgiving the person that didn't protect you? Because forgiving them is not about them. It's about empowering you. Forgiving is also not forgetting. Forgetting is to try and pretend that never happened. Forgiving doesn't necessarily mean you accept them back in your life either. But when you forgive, you allow light to come into your life and in your soul. You free yourself from the burdens of violence, abuse, and exploitation brought into your life by them. Forgiving means not allowing the burden to be ever-present in your life, to re-wound you whenever it feels like it. You become free. You begin to trust those that are trustworthy. You begin to truly live and love your life. You begin to see that this is something that happened to you, but it's not the total you. Or instead of forgiving, some people prefer to just unburden themselves from the emotional energy it takes to hate. They will never forgive, but they can release the energy associated with hate. It takes an incredible amount of energy to hate someone, and hate takes a toll on your health. That's why Martin Luther King said, the hate causes just as much injury to the hater as it is to the hated. Like an unchecked cancer, hate corrodes the personality and eats away its vital unity. Many of our inner conflicts are rooted in hate. That is why psychiatrists say love or perish. Hate is too great a burden to bear. So some prefer to unburden and release the energy associated with hate. Hey, before we continue the episode, I want to let you know of three courses I offer. Effective Case Management with Human Trafficking Survivors, the TNT Survivor Journey Groups, and the Best Life Human Trafficking Prevention course for girls that are at risk. Raising awareness around human trafficking is a great start. Hanging up flyers, having fundraisers, doing human trafficking presentations, or even joining an anti-trafficking coalition or commission or student group. But it simply isn't enough. If you or your group aren't touching the lives of survivors or those at risk in meaningful and healing ways, you're missing a critical component. 
want you to get back to the reasons you joined the anti-trafficking fight in the first place. The reason you joined that coalition or that commission or that student group. You wanted to make a difference, but maybe you didn't know exactly what to do. And so presentations seem doable. Why? Because you had the knowledge and skills to do it. Well, if you're really ready to get directly involved and help change the lives of others for the better, then this is an important message for you. I have almost 30 years experience working with survivors and studying the issue. And I'm circling back to help you become effective and confident in your ability to work with survivors of commercial sexual violence. I wrote a few books, developed some courses that would love to train you on how to be involved directly. Just go to my website, CeliaWilliamson.com and check out my webinars. Learn a little more about how you can become knowledgeable and skilled to actually work with survivors using my trauma-informed courses. And now, on with the podcast. Finally, some let go by trying to understand their perpetrator. They try and empathize with what their perpetrator's life may have been like, the situations that they may have encountered and the experiences that maybe they've gone through to make them who they were when they abused, when they exploited or when they were violent. For some, when they're able to humanize them and understand them, it makes it easier for them to let go of hatred. But the choice is yours. Whatever you decide to unburden yourself with, you become empowered as a thriver. You position yourself to determine your own course of action, your own life. Decide what feels and fits best for you. And when you're ready for that moment, you're ready to take the 11th journey. However, we don't want to confuse unburdening with letting your abuser or your exploiter walk free. Unburdening the negative energy that hate brings and seeking procedural justice in the courts are two different things. Some religious people will say we need to pray for their soul. And I'm with that program. I think praying for a soul is a wonderful thing to do. But in some cases, their ass needs to go to the state penitentiary. Mm -hmm. Soul and body, two different things. (laughs) So if we desire justice, we should seek justice. Some will find the strength to move forward and seek justice for what happened to them. Some victims, survivors, thrivers with evidence and fortitude choose to prosecute. They work past their fears to stand up against their perpetrators. They believe their perpetrators should stand accused in front of society and be convicted for what they've done. In seeking out and receiving procedural justice for a crime committed against them, they feel vindicated. They feel as though they have gained some self-worth back. When they receive justice, they feel as though society stands with them against what has been done to them. And they believe their perpetrator should have their freedom taken while the victim has an opportunity to heal and reclaim their life. There are some survivors that don't wanna prosecute. They just wanna move on and get on with the business of healing. But whether or not you choose to prosecute or not prosecute, the process of unburdening 
that that energy of hatred and untethering those chains remains a critical journey in your recovery. So how do you unburden and how do you untether? First, you clearly define what it means for you. For some people, it means prosecuting their perpetrator. For some, it means forgiving their perpetrators. For others, it means not to forgive, but to let that energy associated with the hatred go. We have to remember that healing is about you, not them. Healing doesn't require that you prosecute or that you forgive them. It only requires that you let go of the strong emotions associated with it that burden you. Some people prefer to work with their therapist to learn to lay their burdens down and let the energy go and to move on. Some prefer to meditate on the process while learning to let it go. Others write letters to their victimizers, say prayers, burn the letters. In the 11th journey, you'll have opportunities to write letters. You'll have opportunities to write as much as you need to process through this phase. And what you need to know is that letting go of these burdens, it's not an event. It's a process. The more you do it, the easier it will become. Your goal is to get to a place where your past abuse and exploitation is a scar that you carry, but not an open wound. Unburdening yourself of the strong emotional pain like anger and sadness and regret and grief and shame is a process. It's not an event. You'll have some bad days and you'll have some good days. The goal is that over time, the good days begin to outweigh the bad days. A good book to read to help you with this is Caring Enough to Forgive by David Osper. Another is Forgiveness, 21 Days to Forgive Everyone for Everything. And also, you might want to work with your therapist on unburdening and moving past your abuse and exploitation. For some people, this is an ugly secret. And an ugly secret is toxic. It sits inside ourselves in loneliness and shame. It's a burden we carry that often feels heavy and at times steals our joy. Our story is a part of us. And when we hide it, we can feel like we're sharing only a part of us with the people we care about. We feel like we're not genuine. A part of us lives in darkness because our story lives in darkness. We associate what happened to us to be something we should continue to feel ashamed about. When we keep our stories to ourselves, we may continue to blame ourselves or worse, minimize the story or our victimization because we don't value ourselves. Or we just want the memory of the story to go away, but it won't go away because it's a part of our past experience. So for some thrivers, telling our story helps us release our burdens and we feel better about ourselves in our future. When we tell our story and we hear understanding and empathy come back to us from our listeners, we feel validated and connected. When others tell us and show us that they're listening and that we are valued and we are valuable and we are supported, it reminds us that when we felt horrible, 
that was okay. We had to go through that process. It reminds us that we have accomplished something meaningful in that pain, in that surviving, and in that thriving. And when we see an audience respond to us, we're validated. And that's why some survivors and thrivers like to present. They like to tell their story. Because when the listener expresses empathy and concern, we feel connected. Each time we tell our story, we release a bit of shame and a bit of self-blame. It's like a teapot that builds up a steam and is ready to boil and it needs a place to release the steam into the atmosphere and let it go. And then again, there are some people that never want to share their story and they never do. And that's okay as well. What's not okay is for you to remain burdened in guilt and shame because of what happened. And so yesterday is heavy. Put it down. Lay your weapon of hatred down because it only continues to rewound you. When thinking about your life, remember this, no amount of guilt or shame can change the past and no amount of anxiety can change the future. So lay that burden down, let that burden go. Untether, untie yourself from it. That's what the 11th journey is all about. Until next time, the fight continues. Let's not just do something, let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.